if you want to maybe have some confidence in the future, some understanding of your past, you can become the source of your own understanding if you're willing to observe yourself and keep a record of yourself. To me, there's really no better way to begin to improve your mental health by yourself. This is something that you can do for yourself. And I would say that being able to understand mindfulness, to try and be more present, to observe myself, to realize that so much negativity comes from my thoughts has been a great improvement in my life. So with that in mind, I would like to share a little bit more of my story in the hopes that it could motivate you to keep going. This is the journey that I took from fear and anxiety, from in fact being in a way divorced from myself, to a real understanding of who I am. Lately, I do feel like the sky is the limit. I think that for you too, you can feel that. You can feel an optimism about your future because of mindfulness. And I'm not trying to make this like this snake oil that I'm selling or this this almighty megalith that we that we all fall under in some religious way. I'm talking about self-awareness and I'm talking about the willingness to reflect on what the hell you're up to. I hope that I'm not thinking about somebody I knew five years ago as I'm merging onto the freeway in rush hour traffic. You can understand that. But there's more to it than that. Perhaps you're having an important, meaningful conversation with somebody, somebody older than you who won't be around forever. Are you there looking at them, listening to them, thanking them for what they're sharing, trying to share with them? Or are you thinking about what you're going to say next or what's going on in the basement? Or should I just get on with the dishes? And you begin to realize, well, a lot of life, a lot of life, a lot of my life, I spent thinking about something else. So, you know, in a sense, starting a podcast called Self-Control has been humbling because it's forced me to reckon with all the ways and all the times that I'm not in control of myself. But doing this podcast itself has become one of my mindfulness milestones. Whenever I want to give in to bad habits, whenever I want to be lazy, procrastinate, become mindless and let my mind wander, I think, hey, you're the guy talking about why that's important on the podcast. Are you really going to give in to this cheap, this cheap kick or this, this laziness? You're the one that's going to have to go talk about it. You're the one that's going to have to go lie <laughs> if you do this. And what, what has come out of this podcast and what has come out of this pursuit of mindfulness has been breathing and posture. This is no joke, right? Like, I don't like to do this a lot, but you see, you see a lot of people with poor posture and I'm sometimes one of them, that rounding in of the shoulders and the, the chin down, hunched, not standing upright, not having our shoulders back. But it goes deeper than that. You know, more often than not, what I've discovered, in fact, is that I'm clenching in my pelvic floor and that's the sort of ribbon of muscle that runs from your sits bones, which are those hard bones that you feel in your ass when you sit on a bicycle seat. So there's a muscle that begins there and it runs along the floor all the way to your genital region, let's say. If you want to find the pelvic floor, just imagine that you have to urinate or pass gas. Those muscles that prevent you from doing that or allow you to do it, that's your pelvic floor at work. I discovered that for whatever reason, I hold a lot of tension there. It's like I'm kind of half clenched all the time. And beyond that, I'm also almost always contracting or clenching in the diaphragm as well. So I hold a lot of tension in those places. 
and I round my spine. So I'm like a curled up shrimp. I've decided that that is the posture of cowardice. And it's interesting to note that the word coward actually comes, the root word is tail, right? You can imagine a a scared or cowardly dog tail between his legs. It made a lot of sense to me that I'm clenching in my tail. I hold myself like a coward, like I'm afraid. That rounding in and clenching, I'm allowing gravity to push down on me, to have its way with me. I'm not going forthrightly and upright against the world. Now, there were traumatic experiences in my life. They led to stress and negative emotion being housed in those places, the pelvic floor, the diaphragm, the shoulders. And that led its way beyond that, to the chin, to the neck, to the crown of the head, this curving inwards, this being defeated. When we are defeated in our posture, we have already lost the game. You know, like I talk about taking ownership of your thoughts, like you think yourself into negativity, you can posture yourself into cowardice. You can posture yourself into negativity. Try it sometime. Try going for a walk or going, going through your day with just absurd or obscene, what will feel absurd and obscene, upright, confident posture. Listen to how your ego tells you not to do it, to play small. Feel how ridiculous you think you feel when really it's the best thing I think you could do. When we hold ourselves in that weakened way, in that cowardly way, we signal to our mind that there is something to be afraid of, that we need to hide, that we need to play small. And I lived my whole life that way. And I think through the miracle, I would say, of beginning, for no real reason, beginning yoga, I began to become aware of how I held myself, checking in with my posture, discovering just how tight my shoulders are, coming forward always. I'm always clenching and gripping down in the pelvic floor and in the diaphragm. But I look back over my whole childhood. I look back over my early adulthood. Fear. Fear and cowardice that personify themselves in my body. I held myself in a position of cowardice and I got the outcomes that I deserved. Social anxiety. Introversion. Afraid to speak up. Afraid to start a conversation. Why? Well, partly because I was telling my body and my mind that there was a problem, that I was small, that I should just hide and get through the day. So it's no surprise then that pornography and marijuana became my two vices of choice at a rather early age because those are major, major painkillers. I could feel good in my body. I could feel that release. I could feel that numbness. I didn't have to worry about my shoulders and my pelvic floor and my diaphragm. I could just float off. I could get that fake release out of the pelvic floor that really only tightened it back up again through pornography and the behavior that goes along with pornography, of course. So if you'll recall our last episode or our last two episodes, I spoke about how we can take our mindfulness practice, that that resolve, that determination to be present and aware of ourselves as often as possible, what we're thinking and doing. And we pair that then with responsible time spent thinking about the past and the future. That is precisely how I began to wake up to what the hell was going on in my body, to this cowardice, to this fear, to this way in which I was allowing the world to impose itself upon me. And I became first aware of how specifically pornography and marijuana were the vices of choice because they made me feel good, because they soothed me. And so I knew then I had to begin the years-long process of quitting both these things. But, you know, I really don't think you can quit something until you know fully why you're doing it. But now I know why. I was afraid. And I was in pain by my own choosing. As unconscious as it was, I was in pain 
and I could consciously choose to soothe that pain with those vices. Believe it or not, this tale of woe, <laughs> this tale of, I would actually say, recovery, of healing, there's, it keeps going, right? There was two or three years to quit marijuana, a few more years to quit pornography, discovering mindfulness, discovering yoga. I began to develop, as I'm talking about, this clearer picture of myself. I could see why I chose to behave the way I did, why I chose to consciously do those things, why I was unconsciously holding my body this way. I began to see how I controlled myself. But check this out. That cowardly, fearful rounding of the spine, rounding of the shoulder, clenching, curling, it literally dropped my heart. And it's only been lately that I've had the courage, courage, <laughs> by the way, cur, it means heart. It's only been lately that I've had the courage to stand up straight and lift my heart, push back my shoulders and let my heart come forward. But it didn't just drop my heart physically, but spiritually too. I didn't listen to my heart. I listened to my mind and my ego way more to do what I knew was right, to do what I knew would be challenging, but to do what I knew was meant for me, to accept what was meant for me, to go after what I was capable of. It's not that I haven't built a life to be proud of. No, no, not at all. But there's more coming because now I'm listening. And this is the power of mindfulness. This is my call to you. You believe you're made for more. You believe you can do more. You believe you can give more to other people. You believe there's more to life than what you see around you. No one's going to hand it to you, right? Not even me. <laughs> I'm only going to give you what I've got. And it's this idea that the heart is singing and you need to listen. And how do you listen? It's through mindfulness because these things happen in the present moment. If you are going through your daily life thinking about something else, you are missing the magic of the moment. You are missing that smile that wants to unfurl in your soul. That is your heart telling you to be grateful, to be in awe of the moment, right? Not this and that and all those things and all these things that are coming and all, they're not real. But what is real then is the song that your heart sings to you in the moment. This sounds woo-woo. If I had heard, if I could hear myself, <laughs> if me 10 years ago could hear what I'm saying, it wouldn't make sense, but it stands to reason. I wasn't listening to my heart. And I can't put really more words to it than this other than coming to the moment, opening your heart to the moment, asking yourself as often as you can, am I here? And then eventually over time, just being here, focused on what you're doing, holding your body in a way that is proud and comfortable, taking up space and taking ownership of the way you live. This is the power of mindfulness, coming to the moment, taking control, taking ownership, and just being, not letting the mind run away, not letting the ego tell you all these things you've done wrong, silencing that and, and listening to the sort of, as Van Morrison would call it, inarticulate speech of the heart. So I came to find then that I was mindless, but not only mindless, I was gutless too and heartless. But I can keep going with confidence now. I can keep battling against that. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to change overnight. I would never suggest any of this happens overnight. 
this is truly a 30 plus year journey that I'm just now being able to put into words. You know, I can see clearly how trauma and a wounded ego and the subconscious all work together to make you play small, to distract you, right? Don't think about what you're doing. Think about all those things that hurt and we got to watch out for those. Don't think about what you're doing. Think about how you might be hurt in the future. We need to prepare for that. We need to play small and stay out of the way. No more. <laughs> no more. We trap ourselves in a noisy, noisy hell of distraction when we don't have the courage to be in the moment and to listen to who we are and to be proud and to be unafraid of who we are. It's not some self-empowerment crap. This is not about being rewarded for just being you. It's simply just being you without the reward. The reward is felt in that song of the heart when you know that you've come to where you ought to be and there's only one place you can be. <laughs> that is in the moment. You know, if all else fails, return to those three tenets of mindfulness as often as you can. Am I thinking about the present? Am I doing what I'm thinking about? Am I thinking about what I'm doing? Am I practicing self-control? You begin to mix that with these processes of thinking about your past and observing yourself, beginning to anticipate triggers, being able to put into words the way in which you are sort of tricking yourself, thinking yourself into hell, into negativity. And then being able to plan a future that you can see clearly because you're going to be there and you know who you are when you get there. That's mindfulness, but it's, it's also something like heartfulness. I hope that this could play a role in your life. And I hope that if, if you believe that things could be better for you, you'll consider this. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please, if any of this is resonating, get in touch. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube comments. Would love to hear from you. And until we speak again, please remember that better is possible.